You're listening to The Fish Dish, brought to you by Eat Wisconsin Fish, a campaign of the Wisconsin Sea Grant Program. Are you fish curious, or are you a fish expert who wants to learn even more about Wisconsin's fisheries and cooking fish? We'll give you the latest dish on fish. Your hosts are Sharon Moen and Marie Zwickoff. Two, Two friends, friends who, who have been, been working, working for Sea Grant seemingly forever and who know a thing or two about fish. But that's forever in a good way. Sharon runs the Eat Wisconsin Fish campaign. And Marie is a science communicator. In this episode, we interview Titus Seilheimer, one of our Sea Grant co-workers. Then we travel to Cornucopia, Wisconsin, on the south shore of Lake Superior, to speak with staff from Halverson Fisheries. What's our topic? Burbot! Now, if you're not familiar with what a burbot fish is, you will be by the time this podcast is over. We'll let our speakers describe it for you. Plus, there's a very special day coming up soon. Most people call it Valentine's Day, but we call it something else due to an important event in the burbot life cycle. For the fish olicious part of our show, Sharon and I cook poor man's shrimp and assess whether burbot can really pass as shrimp in this tasty appetizer. Let's hear from Titus, who is Sea Grant's fisheries outreach specialist. He's stationed in our office at the University of Wisconsin Green Bay's Manitowoc campus. Sharon asked him to describe what a burbot looks like. They're sort of these like giant, almost giant fish sausages. They are totally tubular in shape. And, you know, I think the interesting biology here is that they're actually a member of the cod family. So, you know, people are familiar with the Atlantic cod with your cod fish fries, this is the only species in the cod family that lives in fresh water. If you had a picture of a cod and a picture of a burbot, together you would see kind of the placement of the fins would look similar. They have a single barbel on their chin, and that's that little dangling thing off the chin that lots of fish use to feel the bottom, which is useful in finding food. You know, that is this distinctive characteristic. They also have pectoral fins. Those are, I like to think of those as the arms of the fish. Those are the ones up front. They kind of use them to navigate around. Then you have the pelvic fins, and so pelvic, pelvis, I kind of imagine those as the legs on a fish. And those pelvic fins on the burbot and on the cod is, is actually really far up on their body. So it's almost like pectoral fins and pelvic fins all in this one little bunch where lots of our other freshwater fish we would look at, you'd have the pectoral fins up front, you'd have kind of the pelvic fins in the middle or farther towards the back of the fish. So just this really interesting body shape, unlike other fish that we would see. There are a lot of common names for burbot. What do people know burbot as if they don't call them burbot? Yeah, so lawyer is the most common Great Lakes name. When we're out on the, the commercial fishing boat, they're talking about lawyers, and that is they're slimy, they're kind of twisty. I was going to say, no offense to any lawyers out there. <laughs> just right. I'm not saying it. I'm just saying what they are and... You know, I'm not making any judgments here. So uh, if you're over in Minnesota, they're actually known as eel pout. There used to be a big fishing tournament. Yeah, Sharon and I once had plans to go to the eel pout festival on Leech Lake, but it didn't work out. Now they're not holding it anymore, so we missed our chance, I guess. Yeah. Is there a commercial fishing season for eel pout lawyers or burbot, depending what you call them, in Wisconsin? Mizay would be the uh, Jibboid name. Dogfish, spineless catfish, mother eels, gudgeons, mudblowers. 
yeah, lots of names. So uh, is there a commercial season? So they are allowed to be commercially harvested. In Wisconsin, uh, probably in, in the Great Lakes in general, they're classified as a rough fish. So they're not a sport fish. They're not a commercial, not necessarily targeted. Generally, people will catch them as, as sort of bycatch, as in, incidental catch. So they're trying to catch something else, a different species like whitefish. They might bring up some bourbon in their nets. And then, you know, sometimes they might throw them back, but they might also keep them because there is kind of these local markets up in, uh, you, you know, Superior, Lake Superior fisheries with kind of our Lake Michigan fisheries. You like go to the market and say, you know, I'd really like some lawyers for my fish fry on Friday. And if they catch some, they can kind of hold them for you. And then if you go to the end of Door County, catch the ferry to Washington Island, you can actually go to a restaurant there that advertises the fresh lawyers that uh, Ken Coyen, a uh, commercial fisherman on Washington Island, will catch. Hey, they, they're freshwater cod. If you like light and flaky fish, try a bourbon out. Right, so we're into February, and it seems like that's the season of Valentine's Day and love. And tell us about what bourbon fit into a February love theme. Yes, well, I have dubbed it Bourbon Teens Day. So forget <laughs> Valentine's Day this year. Get your loved ones uh, a nice card with a big bourbon on the front and celebrate Bourbon Teen Day. This is the season of love for the bourbon. This is a winter spawning fish. So, you know, generally lots of the fish you think about, they're spawning maybe in the spring, maybe they're spawning through the summer. Some will spawn in the fall like trout. But bourbon, they're just kind of hanging out, waiting for the dead of winter, and then they are spawning under the ice. And I think that is just a really great kind of niche way to survive in the world you know you're kind of avoiding other fish you're avoiding predators because it's cold and not a lot of other fish are out there so it's really kind of a unique life strategy and so my impression is they kind of spawn en masse kind of like in a burbot orgy right <laughs> basically yes a writhing mass of these burbots you know just kind of all together and lots of fish spawn in big groups like that but you know it's the imagery of this writhing rolling ball of bourbon on the bottom of the lake is is uh, it's an interesting mind picture i guess yeah i love the uh, rolling ball of burbot <laughs> image so do the males and females not really pair off then when they mate they just like do it all together yep it's it's uh, just a, a broadcast fertilization you know you're you've got lots of males in there everyone's kind of putting their reproductive material out into this shared space everybody wants to fertilize a few eggs or get a few eggs fertilized if you pop open a burbot they actually have quite a few eggs in there so they're not pairing off or, or defending anything those eggs kind of just sit on the bottom and then in the spring those eggs will, will hatch out and then they can start growing these little baby burbots which also quite adorable <laughs> so the parents don't like hang around and protect the eggs or anything really what do they do they get together in the winter, they spawn, and then they're out of there. You know, that's a, a fairly common reproductive strategy for a lot of fish. You sort of leave your eggs in the best condition you can in the best place, and then off with your life until the next year when the call of Burbatine's Day comes in the middle of winter and they, you know, move back to those those areas they spawn in. And why are baby burbot cute? Oh, you got to look at a picture of them. They are, you already have this kind of goofy fish... And then if you miniaturize it, it's it's just, I don't know. I think they're pretty cute. 
one bourbon in the wild that I spotted was actually right up at the, what is it, Frog Bay National Park or National Tribal Park in, you know, up in northern right. Wisconsin. And, you know, there was this little bourbon just kind of swimming along in the beach while we were there. So it's a cool little fish. I think it's their big eyes. Any babies with big eyes is like trope, <laughs> I think. And I saw something about burbots have a song or like a noise that they make. Does that help them find each other under the ice in the dark in February? <laughs> yeah, and it's a, a sound that the males make. And it's really only recently that, that science has discovered that burbots make the sound. You know, in general, fish don't make sounds. You know, they're not songbirds. They don't really advertise themselves. They, they kind of vibrate the, the muscles um, along their swim bladder. So the swim bladder is this kind of air-filled, I guess, organ inside their body that allows many fish that have them to be neutrally buoyant. So they can stay in their whatever depth they want to be in. They don't have to fight uh, against, you know, floating or sinking all the time. It's like having a drum inside you, I guess. And they're able to kind of vibrate, move those muscles, and create these sounds. It just so happens I have a clip of that sound. Here's the mating noise of the male burbot. You might need to turn up the volume to hear it, especially if you're listening to this while you're driving a car. Now, we'll go back to Sharon and Titus. What are some of the common questions that people ask you about bourbon? Do people ask you questions about bourbon? Yeah, I go to people and I tell them about bourbon. I, you know, I think there, there's, you know, sort of increasingly, there's more interest in bourbon out there. I mean, as a sort of seasonal winter sport fishery through the ice, people will catch them and actually start targeting them. Burbot have been in the Great Lakes. They're a native species. They are a benthic species. They're down on the bottom. They're a top predator. So if you think historically, you know, if we went back 500 years and jumped into Lake Michigan, your sort of top predators would have been the lake trout in most of the lake, but then also the burbot at the same time is this top predator. But hanging out on the bottom, yeah, a neat species that I think is getting a little more attention. I like that it's the top predator on the bottom. <laughs> That's the niche that it, it inhabits. And, you know, it's a, they are, they're fish eaters, uh, but kind of a, a bit of a generalist too. But eat other things as well, but, you know, really looking for fish to eat. Yeah, didn't I see like a graph that you showed in one of your presentations that 70% of the burbot's stomach was filled with like rocks and just stuff that they ate by accident? <laughs> So just kind of a messy eater. I mean, they're, you know, they're kind of lunging at things and maybe picking up whatever's on the bottom. So they get a mouthful of food, but some mud and, and other junk, too. Because of the way they eat and what they eat, the uh, Wisconsin DNR has a consumption advice saying that you should eat only up to like one meal a week for burbot that are coming out of Lake Michigan and Lake Superior. So I always think it's good when we're talking about a specific fish to talk about, you know, how often you should be eating this this fish. Well, sure. Definitely. Always keep that in mind, you know, your whole kind of ecosystem of seafood eating. Because it's not just that you can eat one meal per week of bourbon and also... If there's a, you know, a guideline for something else that's also one week, you know, you can't eat both of those. It's just sort of a total thing. So important to keep in mind. 
but then also at the benefits of eating fish far outweigh the negative effects of eating fish. So it's important to keep seafood in your diet, especially fresh fish from Wisconsin. Absolutely. So speaking of food, do you have a favorite bourbon recipe, Titus? Yeah, and this is from my local captain I've, I've ridden with a lot, and John Culpa. His recommendation was just to boil them and then dip them in butter. It's easy. I'm always looking for easy seafood, and anything you get to dip in butter is, is pretty amazing. It's quick. It's easy. Uh, I've also deep fried them before with kind of a just a general beer batter and also really good. I have a couple things to add to that is that if you freeze your bourbon, it becomes denser and it holds its its firmness and form better. So if you're thinking about doing something that you need medallions or something a little denser like chowders for, get the frozen bourbon, which up here on the shores of Lake Superior, we can find it at our commercial fish markets, um, normally in the freezer section. You can get it fresh, too. The first recipe that Titus, you talked about, is a recipe that we have on the Eat Wisconsin Fish website called Poor Man's Lobster, but what do you call it? I say that lobster is poor man's bourbon. Out on the coast, they just don't have enough bourbon, so they're stuck eating these crustaceans. Oh, that's a funny point. <laughs> yeah, thanks. yeah, we feel so so sorry for them. <laughs> Marie, do you have a favorite way to eat burbot? I have never eaten burbot. I've tried. We actually went to Washington Island, our Sea Grant Communications team, for a field trip once, and uh, we visited the restaurant there that Titus mentioned. What what was the name of it again? KK Fisk. Yeah, KK Fisk. We visited their restaurant, but they didn't have any burbot available that day, so we were really bumming. So yeah, I've I've never tried it. I'm a burbot virgin. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thanks so much for being with us. I'm so excited to celebrate Bourbon Teen Day, February 14th. So it can be our new Sea Grant holiday. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun. Full of love and goodwill toward the lowly burbot, Sharon and I traveled to Halverson Fisheries in Cornucopia. We spoke with Jessica Resack and Mark Halverson. They explained they catch burbot incidentally in their search for whitefish using nets set on the bottom of Lake Superior. Sharon asked Mark how the burbot population is doing from his perspective as a sixth-generation fisherman. Well, five years ago, maybe eight years ago, we didn't even keep them. I mean, it wasn't that even. It wasn't even that big of a deal. And then we were getting so many of them in the trap nets. I started doing things with them. I do fish fries, you know, for weddings and bear camps and deer camps and everything. And we had so many of them, I started cooking them and people just loved them. And then all of a sudden in the past, what, five years, you put them in that little freezer there, as fast as you can put them in there, they're gone. Why do they're, you think that is? Why, why the change? They are, they're the ugliest fish there is in the lake, but I don't think people knew what they were. My mom made fish chowder for me a couple days ago, three days ago, and she put bourbon in, in the fish chowder. Best fish chowder you'll ever eat. When we make it at our restaurant up here, we use bourbon as long as we have enough. That's what we use. Wow. That's it's fabulous. Because normally people come to Cornucopia and these, these fisheries to eat the white fish, right? Right, yeah. right. But it's not fishy. It's really, what do you say? I don't Mild. know. Mild. It's not, it's not a fishy fish. What's the texture like? 
I think it's more chewy than whitefish. It's not as yeah. flaky. That's why it's good in chowder because it holds. It holds together. It doesn't turn into mush. It'll right. stay in an actual little piece. People like them a lot in for sale in the store because they don't have any skin on them. They don't have any bones at all, and they are they're just like kind of little skinny fillets. Solid white. Meat. Yeah, solid white meat. So they're super easy to prepare. You just take them out of the package and cook them. No dealing with skin or bone or anything like that. So. Is there anything you think people should know about burbot? Or like, what are some of the questions people ask you guys about burbot? People in the store here ask what it tastes like. Your mom used to say it tastes like freshwater cod. Yeah. Remember she used to say that, freshwater cod, when we first started selling it in the store? Mm -hmm. Yes, it's pretty true. Well, it is. I will tell you that anybody that buys it, you will definitely get a repeat customer that comes back here to buy burbot. Well, I know when I was here last time talking to Jessica, there was a list, and you're like, well, we may or may not have a yep. bit. That's how, <laughs> how it's got. You have to be on the list. Yeah. 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 My mom will say, oh, we got so much of it. And then it's gone. And then all of a sudden, it's, it's just gone. Yeah. We vacuum seal them in little bags like you've seen there that Jesse brought for you. People just love that. We don't let any of them go anymore. Every one that we get, we skin them out. My brother does it different than we do it, but we cut it around their head with a knife, and then we have a pair of pliers in the boat, and we just pull the skin off of them, cut the head off, take the guts out, and then when we come in here, one of the guys that's been working for us for years and years, his name is John, he loves flaying them things. He flays them things out nice and pretty, and he's got them all nice and uniform, and we wash them up, mob, vacuum seals them, and put them in the freezer. So now you know to call ahead if you want burbot. The Halversons are done fishing for the season, but will start up again in the spring. You can also check out the Redcliffe Fish Company, Bodine's, Hoops, and many places in Door County, like the Hendrickson's Fisheries and the Bailey's Harbor Fisheries might also have burbot. But again, make sure you call ahead. Now it's time for the Fishalicious part of our podcast, where we discuss fish recipes, which, by the way, you can find on the Eat Wisconsin Fish website, which is eatwisconsinfish.org. Today, we're doing poor man's shrimp. Sharon, tell us what's going on here. So, we have burbot with us today and four fillets that we've cut into thirds. But I also got some shrimp, so we could do a taste comparison between the burbot and the shrimp and see if shrimp is poor man's burbot, burbot or if burbot is poor man's shrimp. Yes. So that'll be our challenge today. Oh, interesting. So, yes, yes. we have water boiling... In the water, there's a little salt and some spices. We have like celery salt in there and some ground savory and a little bit of the Penzi Spices Arizona Dreaming in there too, just to give it a little extra flavor. And then we have sriracha here and another type of chili sauce and all the fixings for the red sauce recipe that's on the Eat Wisconsin Fish website. Sharon's putting the shrimp in the boiling water. There we go. The shrimp are in. Now we're going to add all the bourbon, too. Will they cross-contaminate each other? They are going to cross-contaminate a little bit. So if you're allergic to seafood or shellfish, 
don't do it this way. But I was thinking just taste-wise. Oh. You know, if we're doing a taste comparison, and now we're mixing them together. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be a big deal, because the bourbon are far outweighing the modestly-sized shrimp that we put in the pot. Okay. So we're going to boil these up, and then let them chill. We dip the shrimp and the burbot in sauce. It's kind of like a cocktail sauce, right? Right. It's a homemade cocktail sauce that we're calling red sauce for the sake of this show. And I like the idea that you can get saucy with Sea Grant. We have a lot of sauce recipes on the Eat Wisconsin Fish website. So there's many dipping sauces you can use if you prefer hot. There's sriracha and chili sauces. And if you prefer mild, we have other types of sauces that you might want to try making up or purchasing from the store. So whatever you would typically dip shrimp in or having a shrimp cocktail, that's what I would recommend for this recipe. What is in our sauce today, Sharon? Ooh, there's so many interesting things. The base is ketchup, so like regular store-bought ketchup. And then we've added uh, Worcestershire sauce and Tabasco and a little bit of horseradish and a tablespoon and a half of lemon juice because we're making just half the recipe that's on the site. We also have some celery salt in there. And so it's pretty basic, pretty simple, so easy. And if you're rushing off to an event where you're supposed to bring an appetizer, I recommend this one. Yeah, because you can make it ahead of time, right? Right, because we're chilling everything now. And it's also great because if you have people in your group with shellfish allergies, this kind of compensates for that. There is Aside from what we just did where we boiled shrimp with it, burbot is not a shellfish, so people with allergies won't react to this. Yeah. So, yeah, everything's in the refrigerator, and we're going to wait for a while and then do our taste test. Boop, boop. Okay. And now we're going to cut them into shrimp-like pieces. The burbot. The burbot, yes. So cut each third into like about an inch long right so about the size of a cocktail shrimp some of them I'm doing lengthways and other other ones I'm doing crosswise so they kind of are in the shape never exactly shrimp like but close that's probably enough for the sake of our experiment so we've done our taste test we skewered the burbot and the shrimp with toothpicks and dipped them into the cocktail sauce that we made and uh, i'm no longer a burbot virgin (laughs) (laughs) we did it she ate burbot yes yes it was very good yes it was good but we also had the shrimp so how do you feel like burbot compared with the shrimp the shrimp and the cocktail sauce tasted just like something you get in a restaurant or whatever Mm -hmm. the burbot was a little bit less dense than the shrimp, but it tasted good. I mean, it tasted like a white fish. Right. Yeah. Right. That's what I thought, too. It, it did not taste like shrimp, but it did taste like a dense fish, and it held its form for the cocktail sauce, so that was great. And I, I, I like the cocktail sauce, too. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really good. And I also used sriracha on one of my toothpicks, and like, oh, I do like the spice. Much like a tortilla chip, I feel like burbot is a good vehicle for wonderful sauce. (laughs) (laughs) A sauce medium. (laughs) That's right, yeah. It's it's good for dipping in stuff in this form. So next cocktail party, if you don't have shrimp, you can use burbot. You can also use haddock and cod are also good substitutes. And I really hope everybody has a really fun burbotine day this February 14th. And then there's one last stop before I head back home. Ooh, I'm going to...
That's it for this episode of The Fish Dish. Thanks goes to Titus Seilheimer, Jessica Rizak, and Mark Halverson for the interviews. And thank you for listening. On so did see. On so did see.